Praise be to Jesus and Mary, and welcome to the Catholic Family Podcast. This is the What is a Woman podcast, hosted by Mandy and Holly. Let's begin our show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the What is a Woman podcast. My name is Holly, and as always, I'm joined here by my mother, Mandy, and we'll begin our episode by saying, Jesus, meek and humble of heart, make our hearts like unto thine. So um, welcome back for another week of What is a Woman, and we are now, um, well, again, we're recording this before the time you're actually listening to it, obviously, um, but we are just coming into our first, well, finishing up our first week, full week of Lent. Right. How's it going? Going great. Yeah. Well, you're, not, you're not feeling the hunger yet. Uh, a few days I have, actually. I will say, um, because Sunday, the fasting rules don't apply. But you still have just fasted all Saturday, and then you get up, and you go to Mass in the morning. Yeah, no, I always And my tummy was growling during Mass. I was like, my tummy never growls during Mass. Oh, yeah, it's Lent. Right, it's Lent. (laughs) But anyways, these small little hunger pains are um, just a small little suffering we can offer up, I'm sure. Um, but anyway, so yeah. And you know those hunger pains are going to go away. Yeah, so it's not like you're not starving like in the desert. starving and you know the hunger pains aren't going to go away. Right, right. So anyways, it's, uh, I love Lent. I yeah. do. I love Lent. And, um, I, it's funny when you're a child and you, the ever popular candy. Yeah. You give up or whatever. And you're just like. Oh, it's so hard. I can't have any candy. Like, and yeah. you're just like so dramatic about it. At least as kids, we were, you yeah. know, or whatever it is, you give up. And it just 40 days seems like so long. Right. Right. But then for me, I'm just like, you know, it, it has a different, for me, anyways, as an adult, there's a different tone to it. There's a different, uh, it's not about giving up the candy. Like, you know, like picking one thing and giving that up for 40 days. And I mean, it, like they're children and it has to be this way. I'm not saying it shouldn't. But I'm just saying as an adult, it takes on a whole different... Well, there's more purpose. There's more purpose to it. Why you're doing it. Like, I mean, sure, kids kids know there's a purpose, but they don't really understand the right. purpose. And you're just more or less uh, you know, giving training up... them for... Yeah. For, what's to come you know training them to actually control their will well yes it's the bending well and that's funny because that's actually what i told my kids because my kids each give up one thing in particular but then also throughout lent i'm constantly and i'm not doing it in a in a mean or or rude way but you know like you know their dad will come in and he'll have like candy or something and even though if they didn't give up candy i'll just say well, okay, I'll use this example. So last night after dinner, my son wanted ice cream. And I said, well, Dougie, it's Lent. You know, I know you didn't give up ice cream, but, you know, we should use these little small things as opportunity to remember that we're still in the season of Lent. And even though we didn't give up ice cream, we can take that small sacrifice and offer it up. And, you know, and 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 then my son's like, really? Really? Like you're just going to take this from me too? (laughs) I said, no, I'm not telling you. I'm just saying if you want to make your Lent the best you can make it, you you constantly give our Lord more and more. And what you're doing, and I told him, I said, what you're doing is you're showing our Lord that you're bending your will to his. Uh And you're saying to him, I can do this for love of you, you know. 
So well, and, and he didn't have the he didn't have the ice cream. And I didn't. It wasn't like I was guilt tripping him or like you know I just made a suggestion. Yeah. And I because you know because that to me that's what Lent is. You know, I I I do give up specific things, mm-hmm. but then I also throughout the day curb I, yourself. I curb myself because I do want to bend my will. So like I, I told myself the other day, okay, you know, you can have sugar in your tea, the first tea of the day. And I don't do this every day, but yesterday I thought, you know what? How so now for the rest of today, don't put sugar in your tea. Right. And that doesn't seem like a lot, but to me, I don't have a lot of sugar in my tea, but it does make that tea spectacular. Just like a not even a teaspoon. I don't right. even put like a teaspoon of sugar in my tea, but it makes the tea just gives it that little sweetness, you know? But when you don't add that, you really notice it's missing. Well, you don't because you don't put sugar in your tea. I knew you were going to say that, but I'm saying for us people. I just got used to it. That's what happens too. Sometimes you just get used to things and then you're just like, well, well, that doesn't taste right. That's exactly yeah. what happens. You get used to it and then, and then it becomes your preference. Right. But like, I know, but for me, it was like, you know, you can do this. You cannot I mean, put I, sugar in your tea for one day. I started out the rest of the world as a child having 10 scoops Some of sugar, sugar in my tea. tea. You know, like that's the way we, uh, up here in Canada, we're, and, and also and too, we have a real British um, ancestry. So right. uh, we have, we have been raised on tea. Mm-hmm. So, so it's uh, a big deal for us. It's a big deal, even as a child, you know. And like my course, son loves tea. Yeah. And so, you know, you just, they love the sugar. They, they just, lo- well, yeah. Give us the sugar pot. <laughs> that's and, what he <laughs> says to me the other day. He says, mom, can I have some tea with you? But please. Can I be in control of my own sugar? I said, no. I said, because you like to have a cup of sugar with a little bit of tea. You know, so. Yeah, that's the way she goes. And, you know, interestingly enough, um, this is actually what our chapter is about. Oh, is it? It's about the raising of children. Oh, right, right. And how how to bend the will. Right. And then and a lot of other things, but that was part of it. Sounds so I thought that's kind of. Very fitting for Lent. Very fitting for Lent. Tying that, that um, in. We're talking about how to raise children. And it is actually one of my favorite subjects in the world. Bending the wheel? No, raising children. Oh, raising children. Because I see it being done so horribly wrong in the whole entire universe. Mm -hmm. You know, and even amongst Catholics, I I say, man, that's a mistake. Don't do Mm -hmm. that. You know, but, um, but I think that we have been so embedded with the, um, modernist view new of ra- the new age view of raising children mm-hmm. that we have a hard time distinguishing between um what is what is of new age and what is mm-hmm. proper because um we have to be real about one thing um if they've inverted things if they've twisted things then what is proper doesn't sound right to our ears right so we have a hard time getting over it and i find as as what I I see a lot of young moms, I see that they're doing things, and and um, there's a real new age touch going on there, and they're not grasping that that's a not love because a lot of it has to do with what's love, right? Yeah. What's and um, so you know and and I'm gonna just put this out there: people are not really open to your critical suggestions. No, yeah. <laughs> they're not. They're not. They say, if you say, oh, you know, I said, oh, don't, do, I said, oh, you're going to pay for that when they're 13. Uh, you know, like, don't, yeah. don't, 
don't do that, you know. And they're, they're just like, well, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, well, hey, I've already done it, it's so uh-huh. I do kind of know what I'm talking about. Right. But I've also studied it mm-hmm. very, very in-depthly in, in Catholic sources. Right. So anyway, so why don't we just get... Jump right in. Invo- get, jump into this book, book and continue. I mean, we left off last week at A Sword Shall Pierce Your Heart. Right. You know, that the author is telling us. You know, and and I know, and I know this from personal experience too, that I never thought a sword would pierce my heart. Right. I thought you little darlings were the best darlings on what the. What are you talking about? We were <laughs> on the face of the whole entire planet, and I had all the answers, and I had it all figured out, and I was doing everything right. So can you can imagine my shock <laughs> when we turned out wonderful? <laughs> <laughs> wow. This this boat has turned around, <laughs> but there, there was few really bad years. Yes, yes, yes. Really bad years, and I was I was living, I was living the, um, we shall say divine providence. Yeah, the res- right. the uh, result of my decision making. Right. Um, okay, so I don't know where we left off. Oh, we, we finished off number seven. Number seven is where we're at there, Mark. Okay. Right, so above that, we're talking about a sword piercing the heart. Right, so we're starting here. We'll okay. start there. Okay, so, quote, A new career now opens before you, Christian mother, which has its joy, it is true, but it has also its pain to which you are as yet a stranger. Accept the former with gratitude and the latter with resignation. And devote yourself entirely to the duties which your situation imposes on you. End quote. Right. Okay. So we kind of, we left off last week kind of halfway through one thought. Right. Right. About a sword piercing your heart. And um, the next paragraph is kind of telling us that to have resignation to the will of God. Right. So like, I mean, you're going to be far better off and, and in far less shock. Yeah. Right. To prepare yourself for the reality of this. And then you might be. You might be pleasantly surprised, too, because if you prepare yourself for this reality, you know, maybe the reality won't be so stinging or right. so hurtful because you prepared yourself. I mean, I think, I mean, I, speaking from experience, I was in shock, like absolute shock. When what? Well, when things started to go, go south. south. Yeah. Right? I was like, how is well, this? Well, because you prepared yourself for a life of bliss. I did. I had prepared right. myself for I was doing everything right, and there was not, you know, and I had all the answers. A man smart. You don't even know. <laughs> That's pride for you. Yes, that is pride. But also, too, right? And if we have resignation to God's holy will, because we have to understand that God allows free will, but with... Mm-hmm. He does allow the free will. He does allow the free will of the children. But with the gift of, of free will also comes the gift of divine providence. Yeah. Right? So that um, that we have the understanding that um, God is actually in control. Right. And if we pray, and this is what I, I kind of was hoping that we would put. Uh, I know we have the litany of humility on the, on our website. But I, I, we don't have the litany of the divine providence on our, our website, do no. we? Right? And I, have, I think I've mentioned it in here before. Um, all things work together for those who pray. Mm-hmm. Right? So, I mean, we have to have the confidence. So when we get into the hard years, the sorrowful years, the sword is piercing our heart. We, uh, we can know that all things work together for those who pray. Right. We have that confidence. 
that as free will is given, so is divine providence. Yeah. Right? And divine providence is usually the slake-up, the shake-up, the slaps in the face that bring us back to correction. The things that we don't really like, but the we things, need. The things that we don't really like, that we need, right? So those are just some things to remember, ladies. So if you have little children, just... Just live those joyful years now and know in your heart the sorrowful are around the corner. Okay. Quote, the first is to suckle your child with your own milk unless you are prevented from doing so by weighty reasons. If you understand the happiness and the obligations of a mother, you will not be willing to divide its enjoyments and functions with a stranger whose substance will be mingled with yours in the body of your child and force it to divide its love and gratitude between you and her. If the body and soul are so intimately united that each exercises over the other, a powerful influence may not the nurse introduced into a family communicate to a child the secret maladies, maladies of her body and the still worse affections of her soul, end quote. Okay, so again, we have to go back to what year this is written. Mm -hmm. It was very, very common for women to have wet nurses. And, and he's saying you shouldn't. It's saying you shouldn't, right? Right. Um, you shouldn't have wet nurses. And you shouldn't divide the child. You shouldn't divide the child's um, affections and devotions between you and another woman. Right. Right. So, um, I mean, we can put this into today's perspective. And who do we hand our children over to? Daycare. Daycare. Right. right. To raise Right, like we shouldn't be doing that. You, and uh, the other thing, and that, you go, well, yeah, because it says here you're forcing it, and I'm assuming it meaning the child, to divide its love and gratitude between you and her. Yeah. So you're basically f you're forcing the child. Yes. To decide. Right. Because or not like to to give equal gratitude and love to yeah. another woman. And right. I'm just gonna say I understand that people have to work. You know, sometimes there are situations that can't be helped. Mm -hmm. And if you're in a situation that can't be helped, to pray to get out of it. Yeah. Right? But, I mean, to all, but also to understand, and I really don't believe we would have a listener out there would say, yeah, daycare is a great thing. Yeah. You know, like, like, I mean, we're all traditional Catholics because we know these things. Right. That daycare is not a great thing. But there was, I just heard, I just, you just said something in there that I heard, um... About the soul and the body mingled together. Mm -hmm. Can you find that? If the body and the soul are so intimately united that each exercises over the other powerful influence. May not the nurse introduced into a family communicate to a child the secret maladies of her body and the still worse affections of her soul? So. Um, what I want, I want to comment about the body and the soul being so intimately mingled. Mingled. Because, I mean, um, Women like to talk about um, their maladies, you know, like their emotions or, you know. Is that or what maladies mean? Your sicknesses. Oh, okay. I didn't right? know what that means. Right. A lot of times, um, myself personally, the body and the soul is barely separated. Barely, right? And we tend to go um, to doctors. Right doctors to get help for the body and it's saying in this book that the body and the soul are so intermingled and i i've actually i've actually always believed that myself right that most things are psychological 
right, right? sicknesses. Now, now, don't get me wrong. Like, if I had a broken arm, I'd go to a doctor. Yeah. You know? You wouldn't, I, you wouldn't show up at the church and go to Father. Father, I have a broken arm. Broken Can you arm. fix this? Can you fix it? You know? Or, you, you know, know, my appendicitis burst. burst. Or, yeah. You know, like, there's just things you have to go to a doctor for. But yeah. a lot of things, I think we're going to the wrong Spot. place. The wrong place, yeah. To get the help Hopefully that we need. need. Yeah. Right? And and just because um, we don't recognize it. Yeah. We don't recognize. The, well, let's just put it this way. We're barely able to recognize the difference between the soul and the body. Right. Like it's not something that we're, I guess, um, proficient at or, you know, can can tell right is this a malady of the soul a malady of the body and then we have the new age teaching telling us that everything can be controlled by um with your emotions and with pills and uppers and downers and lowers and sideways and depressions and anxieties and all this stuff right well this book tells us right there that the soul and the body what does it say the soul the body and the soul are so intimately united that each exercises over the other a powerful influence. Right, a powerful influence. Yeah. The mind has a powerful influence over the soul. I mean, every chapter in this book has said this over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. You know, if we have a malady of certain type, we should go first to the spiritual doctor. Yes. You know, and try to figure out what it is because it's not going to be recognizable to us. Right. You know, so anyway. Okay, quote, you should view in the child whose early education has been confided to you, not merely a delicate little creature that claims your tender care, but a Christian, a soul destined to be the number of the elect, the parent perhaps of a numerous posterity whose lot will depend in some measure upon the education you will give your offspring. We all know that there are families, as it were, privileged, which preserve intact the precious inheritance of faith and virtue, which was transmitted to them originally by a Christian and pious mother, end quote. Okay, that was number nine, was it? Yeah. Okay, so, I mean, I think the other thing that we have to relate to here these are all like problems mothers have and the reason we have these problems is because this is a very narcissistic society mm-hmm. like and people who know me know i i i call myself a narcissist yeah and i don't believe that people are not narcissists like unless you're a saint you're a narcissist yeah you know because we live in this age of um of self and it's constantly presented to us, right, all the time. So what happens when you become, what happens when a narcissist becomes a new mother? Well, everything becomes about her. Well, she, well, she can't, she has a very, very hard time, right? I mean, you went from doing whatever you wanted, whenever you wanted, right. however you wanted. And okay, ladies, and let me just be clear. I use the term narcissist very loosely. I mean, there is a, there is a, a a psychological narcissist that's kind of like a demon but there's also this 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 being so filled with self that yeah. we only think of ourselves right and i don't know many people who are raised as children teenagers and young adults that aren't filled with the need of self 
Right. Right. You know, like you have to be a very saintly child, a very saintly young adult. Yeah. So what happens, and I'm not saying um, the, the women are not good, you know, young women are not good. You just have to acknowledge that this is within you. Mm-hmm. So when you have the baby and this, you went from 24-7 doing whatever the heck you wanted, whenever the heck you wanted. If you wanted a drink, you got up off the couch and went and got one. Right. And now you constantly... You can't do that. You, somebody, some little baby is controlling your every little movement. And this is especially to new moms. Right. Right. So that baby cries, you have to respond. Right. And I remember this perfectly as it was overwhelming for me. I remember, you know, being a first time mom. And it was just like, oh my gosh, I just sat down <laughs> for crying. I mean, as you as you grow with the children, yes. you get used to you just get used to your life being a life of service, right? right? But so when you first come into that it new motherhood, catches you off. It catches you off, off guard, and and you become very overwhelmed, overwhelmed emotionally, and all this um, stuff because now you're having to bend your will to the child. Well, it's funny you say that because I was watching my niece this morning. Yeah, for my sister, and she's seven months. And it's been a long time since I have been anywhere near seven-month-old on my own and being responsible for it just mm-hmm. for this morning. And I and I was just going out to get a few things. So I was like, I'll take the baby with me because she had something to do. So we're in the store. And she slept the whole time. She was a perfect little angel. She slept the whole time we were out. Yeah. Didn't hear a peep from her. But then we get back home, and I'm like, I have to unload the car. But I have this baby and it and it I stopped for a second. And I thought, do I bring the baby in first, or do I unload the car first? How does this work? What would be the best route to go here? So I was like, okay, I'll bring the baby in first because no one's home, and I can just set the car seat in the house and I'll unload the car. And then I'm doing that, and as I'm doing it, I'm talking to the baby, <laughs> and I'm going. Okay, Anna, Aunt Holly's just going to go down here. And I have a wood stove, so I'm like, Aunt Holly's just going to go downstairs. She's going to check the fire. I'll be right back. <laughs> and then I go downstairs. I'm like, okay, now Aunt Holly's got to get this, and i got to do this. And then I'm like, I'm talking to a seven-month-old, and she's looking at me like, what are you doing, lady? Like, <laughs> And then I'm like, I don't really think I need to explain this step-by-step step to her what I'm doing. <laughs> but then I – but it caught me, like, that I can't just go into my house – and do what I would normally do because because I'm in this you child is in baggage. my charge and, and yeah that, I have a little need, baggage that needs your number one attention right like and have, everything has to be considered around that the, child yes yeah, so it it did catch me off guard that I was like right it's been some time yes because normally then, when I get home I have a fifteen year old and a ten year old so we all just walk in the house and go about our business or do whatever I got to do right and then I say unload the car <laughs> you know it's a much better situation for me <laughs> but, but anyway. anyway so this is why this is why you know like um, mothers they suffer these things like postpartum depression right and they suffer these things because it is the baby. I mean, and thank goodness we love those babies to death. Right. Because they are a ball and chain. Right. Like you've never had one before. Right. You know, so it's a little bit different. So you have to, I mean, and again, we're talking about, you know, the the maladies of the soul. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you have to recognize um, from 
once this, like, say you had postpartum depression, mm-hmm. like, where is it coming from? Like, it just, you know, the the medical world they throw out these terms, right, and treat them like. I don't know. They're, I mean, and they are somewhat normal. I'm not saying they're not normal because, like I said, yeah. now you have a ball and chain. Right. But but the remedy is spiritual. Right. The remedy is always spiritual. Like you have to think of others other than yourself. Right. And, I mean, I, I do know a, a woman who had, had a little problem. And uh, her husband said to her, he said, I would like you to think of somebody else today. Yeah. Other than yourself. Other than yourself, right? And yeah. that's what he's. That was what he had said to her mm-hmm. to get her out of the funk. Yeah. Right. And I mean, if we know this, if we know these that these um these these mal- that the body and the soul are so intertwined. Well, it's even it's even a you know like the new age will tell you. Um, I I'm going to use anger as an example. That you got, you got to let that out. Right. And somebody told me recently that there's such, I don't know if they have these in the States, but there's such things here now. Um, what was the term? A break room, I think, or something. It's called the break room. And you get to go in there and you get to just smash things to smithereens. Oh, yeah, I saw that. And so they have just junk, like old computers, old Whatever. And they give you a sledgehammer and you go in there and you just smash things to smithereens. And it's to help you let your anger out. Mm -hmm. And this person was telling me this and and I was just like. Yeah, I saw it. I don't know if if I was telling you. Well, no, I told you. Oh, you told me. And I was like, wow. Well, that's contradictory to what we've been taught. It is very contradictory because the thing about vice is the more you practice it. The more you do it, the more you do it. So you don't you don't get to go into a room and just smash it to smithereens just because you're angry and say, okay, that's all out of my system now. I'm good to go. No, no. because what you're what you're training yourself to do is when you're angry, you just got to smash things. things. Right. So these things, vice is like a cancer. Sin is like a cancer. It grows and it breeds, and the more you do it, the bigger it becomes, right. and the bigger problem it becomes. So, well, whereas virtue, on the other hand, the the subjecting of your will, that's what that's what um, ter- that's what stops it. Like it's like you're it's like you're cutting the root of the tree. Right. And so for myself, I I struggle greatly with anger. Um, and I part when so when this person told me this, I was like. I have anger, okay? I do get angry. And I know that, that it needs to be controlled, not let out. Not let out of the bag or, right? else, or else you're a psychopathic lunatic. <laughs> you know, so it's these things where, that we learn about ourselves. The key and the, the medicine is in most of these, in these problems, <coughs> like my mom was saying, is spiritual because you need to learn how to overcome them. Right. And overcoming them is not does not mean giving in to them. No. And does not mean letting them grow. You like you just said, you cut it off at the roots. You and that's on you. And I as far as I'm concerned, yeah. I don't believe there's a pill out there that can do that. No, I don't think so. You know, like I, I know there are certain situations where things you take things. So I'm not saying all I'm not saying medicine is not needed. Yeah. But what I'm saying for these things, these 
And a lot of the root of these problems are stemming from vice. Right. You know, so so for myself, you know, battling anger. And I will tell you, you know, I've been in situations dealing with people and dealing with things in my life where I, I let misery and I let things overcome me because I'm in, the, in a situation where I felt like, you know, this is awful. This situation is awful and I can't do anything about it. And I'm sitting there and I'm just getting down and not, I won't say depressed because I believe that when you are depressed, you're turning, you're turning to despair and we shouldn't despair. But a, a little bit of lost hope, I'll say. Okay. So, um, and then you just feel like, like nothing's going to change or whatever. And then I realized you're right. This situation is not going to change unless I change. Yes. Because that's the only thing I can change here is myself. That's the only thing you can control. Or control, right? So... And you have to be at some sort of level of delusion. Or, okay, maybe we'll use the word pride. Right. To believe in any situation that you're the one doing everything perfect. Right. And if you believe that... That's part of the problem. That's part of the problem. And so, you know, I told, and I told myself in this particular situation, you know, oh, I can't change this person. I can't change the situation, but I can change myself. And I can choose to just go about my business and be happy and be, well, and basically just turned it all and gave it back to God and right. said, you know, do with this what you will. You know, there are still struggles, there are still problems, and those will never go away because we are here to suffer. That's the other thing that I really have realized in the last while or so about that if you put that into perspective, that we are here to suffer. We are not here for a good time. Yeah. There can be joy and there can be happiness and God wants us to have those things. And there can be good times. And there can be good times. But we have to be able to suffer. Right. It is not going to be joyous and happy all the time. And what shows us that more than anything? Lent. Yes. Like there is a time for suffering and there, and as far as I'm concerned, and I could be wrong about this, but the the suffering for me personally needs to outweigh the good because I want to serve my purgatory here. Right. I also, what I used to, when I was teaching the little kids catechism, I, I used to say, you're packing a suitcase. Yeah. Have I said this before? I'm not sure. To me, know. you have. But I know. Well, I, I, I never know it. if I've said things before. But, but it bears repeating again if I yeah. have said it. You're packing a suitcase to take to heaven. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and so you, what you're putting in that suitcase is every sorrow, every um, mis, uh, injustice, every, every painful thing that has ever happened to you, every wrong that has ever been done to you. Mm-hmm. You just, when somebody does that, you take it, you put it in your suitcase. Mm-hmm. And then you say, well, that's going to heaven with me. Right? And then shut the lid and move on. And shut the lid <laughs> and move on. And because when you get there to the pearly gates, there's these scales of justice up there. Mm-hmm. And you want to take your, your suitcase and you want to give it to God. And you want to say, this is what I brought with me. Yeah. And he's going to throw that suitcase on the scales mm-hmm. and see how heavy it is. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, though that suitcase outweighs all the injury you've caused. caused. Yes. Right? Because you want that to outweigh the injury you've caused. Yes. Right? So, 
I mean, so I, I don't know how we, how do we get so distracted here? I don't know. We but always, it, this always happens. <laughs> but I mean, basically. Well, we were talking about the maladies and the. Of the soul. Yeah. And the body. Right. Right. So anyway, so everything needs, ladies, deep spiritual reflection. Right. You have to get to the root of things. things. Yeah. And that's generally psychologically and it generally involves sin. And, you know, there are a lot, there are, in my, for my money and my book, there are far more spiritual remedies out there than temporal. Yes. What, anything you will get from this earth, you know? So, right. I mean, well, I mean, that's the confidence in God, God too. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, I mean, Saint, I think what St. Teresa said, there's no such thing as too much confidence in, in God. God. Yeah. There's no such thing. Yeah. You know, and even, I mean, and... I mean, I've tried to practice it a little bit. I've had, I've had physical things happen to me. You know, yeah. like I think I had um, a spur or something in my foot once. Oh yeah, your your heel. Yeah, heel I spur. couldn't walk on my yeah. <laughs> I uh, how long that. did I just like, I just I had decided that I didn't care. Yeah. And I wasn't going to look after it. Yeah. Medically. Right. I would just offer it up. Well, I will tell you, <laughs> my husband was laughing at me the other day because we have this wood stove, right? Uh -huh. And we're new to this whole managing of the wood stove. So I got up one morning at like 2.30, the stove was out, and so I went to put another log on it, and it was dark, and I, I set my arm, it was resting on the, it's a top load, so I, yeah. my arm was resting on the yeah. iron of the wood stove, and then all of a sudden I was like, yeah like it was red hot uh -huh. right and uh it's not very there's not a big scar there because i thought well first of all I've, i always try this thing where i just take the pain and offer it up for a soul in purgatory but then i was laying back down i was laying there and i was like man this is like you know when you get a burn it really really stinks mm -hmm. and i was like sitting there and i was offering up the pain but it was really stinging so my scapular was outside of my my shirt and I have a I wear two, I wear two scapulars but one has Saint Philomena on it and I I just was like you know what and I lay, I laid the scapular on the burn and I said Saint Philomena if you choose to take away this stinging and help me and intercede for me I would be forever grateful if you not if not I will try my best to offer <laughs> it up and it stopped yeah instantly it yeah. just stopped and so my husband, he has all these burns because he gets them really bad. I don't know if he's just not paying attention or whatever. He's got them all up his arm uh -huh. from this wood stove. I think he sticks his hand in too far, but whatever. That's neither here nor there. But I said to him last night, he's like, I just got a really bad burn. I said, would you like me to put my scapular on it? <laughs> he's like, what are you talking about? I said, I put my scapular on mine and the stinging instantly stopped. I said, I'll put my scapular on yours. <laughs> he's like, oh, I think I'm okay, but... He's not quite there yet. <laughs> but anyways, it's just funny that, that you know. And it, well, my heel spur, I don't know how long I had it. Maybe a good couple years anyway, where I was hobbling. I couldn't yeah. walk. And then one day it just stopped. And I mean, so no, so sure, could, like, could I? Or, have, yeah, and it could have been a cancerous tumor. I'm not we, saying it couldn't have been. And I mean, like, this is like this burn I'm talking about. This is a very small thing. So please take this with a grain of salt. But my just my whole point of it was that, you know, I, I do always try to have that confidence in God that he will do the best for the situation. And, you know, could I have went to the cabinet and got a burn cream? Yeah. Which I have? Yeah. Sure. Yes, I could have. Right. And it probably would have stopped the stinging. But I chose to 
saying, yeah. oh, my scapular is here. So, yeah, you know, it's just a matter of either or, I'm sure. Right, yeah. You know, and, but, I mean, but to be truthful, though, you have to be willing always to accept the pain. Well, that's what I said. That's why I always right. try to make my prayer if you choose to stop this for me, I will be grateful. But if it is my my uh -huh. lot right now to suffer, I would like to do that too. Just help me do it. Right. You know, because I just, you always want to make sure that if you're suffering, you're suffering like with the right intention. Like right. that you're doing it joyfully and you're, you are actually, in fact, suffering and offering that back up. You're not just laying there moaning and groaning. Right, yeah. Like I would not suggest anybody just, do what I do. But, you know, I, I I mean, I just mean that because you have to be willing to kind of accept maybe death is the other option. Right. There's a hint. <laughs> you know, like, and I mean, but it that's the confidence in God. But that's God. the confidence in God. And and that is like, you, you know, know, and if that we, if death is the other option, oh, well. Oh, well. Hopefully, hopefully I am ready to yeah. meet our Lord, you right. know. Hopefully I am in the spot where I'm ready to do that. And I mean, that's why the prayers that were given by Holy Mother Church are so powerful in that, that tiny little prayer. And I know I've mentioned it. And actually, maybe this time I will put it in the caption. It's a very tiny prayer. And people have commented, I know before, and asked where to find it in the Marian Missal. Um, the resignation of... The, um, resignation to the death that God is willing to... That God is sending you. Right. Like, resign me to that death and accept that. That uh, that is the death that God pleases for me, I you know? know, because that's the one thing that, you know, um, I do get very scared thinking about death. I do. And I think when we, we are, when we're scared to die, it's because spiritually we're not ready. Yeah. You know, like the saints were not scared to die. No. Well, they were, in they, fact, they, they, they prayed little, and they begged for it. They looked forward to it. They were waiting for it. They yeah. were waiting for God to come and take them because they were ready, you know? So we always have to just. And I mean, and let's, I'm just going to stop us right here, right now. These ideas that we're throwing out here are very foreign. Yes. Like m most people don't talk like this or even hear this. Like you have to go to some really old books with imprimaturs to hear this kind of thinking. Right. Well, I'll I read, I re the reason why I think this is so prevalent and I'm speaking like this right now is because I just finished the little catechism of the Curiars and the very last chapter is called Paradise. Yeah. You know, and it, it he's literally telling, it's probably a sermon he gave or it's one of his writings, you know, that, you know, we can't even fathom heaven because if we could... It would blow every, I mean, these, I'm paraphrasing here, you yeah. know, but it would blow our minds into oblivion. Yeah. We can't even fathom it. And the saints, you know, they couldn't fathom it either. They were human, just like us. Uh-huh. But they knew that it was the one thing on, that was the one thing on their mind. Mm-hmm. Was heaven. And like St. Teresa says it perfectly, the world is thy ship and not thy home. Like right. you have to be living. And also too, like let's also point out too, this is why um, this, the saints were so sane because they recognized what was most important. important. Yeah. And that's what they followed. Yeah. Right? So that's where the sanity comes from. Yeah. If somebody said, I read it once somewhere, if somebody said, well, the most important thing is that you get to heaven. Yeah. You know, well, actually, we said in the last podcast, the most important thing is to you, glory, glorify God. Glorify God, and that will be your salvation. That will be your salvation. But um, if 
if that's the most important thing, then that should be our only thing to think about. Right. All day, every day. And well, and and when you think about it, so this book, the book is talking about maladies and this. The saints, when you read any story of a saint, they were never concerned with, with their maladies. No. Never. Saint Bernadette. Yeah. With her giant tumor bursting out of her leg or that saint damien and the lepers like they were never concerned with their body never yeah even even vanity wise you look at was it saint rosalima prayed for a or um i don't know which saint was i don't want to mess it up but you know she was so beautiful and yeah it was saint Saint rosalie you know so like their bodies were of zero concern to them yeah zero you know, and we read the lives of the saints. So I know all you ladies out there have read all this stuff. Yeah. So we're not saying anything. We're not that saying any anything. Nobody's not read. I just don't think we think about it. We don't. We don't think of that aspect of it. That yeah, you know, they were not. They were always thinking the spiritual welfare. Yeah. Like, I, and I use Saint Bernadette because I, in the song of Bernadette, when she lifts up her, her, uh, you don't call it a cassock, her habit. Sorry, I was thinking of the word for a nun. Um, and she was just living with this giant, I don't know what it was, festering tumor, something on her leg, and she didn't care. She limped a little. She limped a little. It, okay, so I limp a little, you know, <laughs> like, you know, can, can you, like, and I mean, that's why they're saints. I'm not saying we're anywhere near that level, but that's, that's, you know, we, any one of us have a little bump and we would go, oh, I better go get this looked at. You know, what if it's cancer? What, what if, if I'm going to die? die? You what know? if I'm going to die? Don't stop. Stop the death. Yeah. I think actually it talks a little bit about Does this it? in this book. So let's continue let's on Let's continue here. on. Okay. Quote, teach your child the name of his father in heaven before that of his father on earth. And as soon as he begins to lisp, make him pronounce the holy name of Jesus and Mary, that God may have the first fruits of his reason and of his life. Take him early to the temple of the Lord that the angels of heaven may recognize him as a brother, and his first impressions may come from above. His ear will become attuned to the grave and pious chants of the church, his eyes will be charmed with the august splendor of its ceremonial, and he will learn to consider prayer as a want and a natural function of the soul." End quote. Right, so uh, this is the very basic, teach your kids to love the church as soon and as fast as possible. They must have a very deep love for the church. If you don't harbor that when they're young, yeah, you know, even I mean, you know, what's funny is take him. It says take him early to the temple of the Lord, that the angels of heaven may recognize him as a brother, and his first impressions may come from above. And I, I can't speak from personal experience because when I had my babies I was away from the church unfortunately so and that is something I regret but um you see it often and I'm not saying one way or the other that mothers but I'm speaking for myself here if I could go back and redo having babies they would always come to church with me yeah because even because and this book tells us and I know I know they're a nuisance and I know they're a pain and I know they they're loud and they cry and they disrupt mass and they you know but it tells us right here in the book this is so that it says the angels of heaven may recognize him as a brother and his first impressions may come from above yeah we shouldn't be so naive to think that God can't impress upon our babies yeah 
well, that do, they need to be there. Do you remember when Dougie was just learning to talk? Oh. And he would call Father Bernard Jesus. Yeah, I bye, know. Bye, Jesus. Bye, Jesus. As we, I'm like, shh, shh, shh. That's not Jesus. It's not Jesus. But like, you know, that that was his first impression. And I mean, he wasn't a baby because when he was a baby, I wasn't at the church. He came at about almost one. 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 Right? Um, My son was almost one when I came back to the church. But even still, that was, that's what he... You know, and also too, if you don't introduce them to the church music at a young age, they will not like it as an adult. Yeah. Because it's way too slow. Yeah. And the world is very fast paced. It's very fast moving. Yeah. So if that's what they pick up, it's very hard to go backwards. Right. It's very hard to go backwards to the slow and the steady. It's, yeah. It doesn't hold their interest. Like you really have to, un- I mean, we, we know that from ourselves. If yeah, we, this is, we're speaking from personal experience of having to undo things. Undo well, I things. am anyways. Undo your love of, you know, secular music. Yeah. In order for a love of, uh, you know, something soft and flowy. Well, yeah, even personally, it took me a long time. And this is coming from someone who sang, sung in the, or not sung, played the organ. Well, I did sing a little bit, but played the organ in the choir since I was 16 years old. Um, mine is a five year span. <laughs> I feel like I always have to say that or I'm not being honest. Um, but anyways, that, you know, I grew up around this music. It was ingrained in me and I still fell away and I still, you know, fell in love with the secular music. But when I decided that, okay, no more secular music, I I don't want to listen to it anymore. I just want to fill my home and my life with good spiritual music. It took me a long time. Right. To readjust. Yeah. And not want that other music. Even the, the love songs. Nothing like, but you know, the love songs are the worst. But anyways, we won't get into that. We've discussed music at length. <laughs> but I'm just saying that, you know, it did, it even took me yeah. a long time to really want to listen to. And now it's, and then once you adjusted, once I had myself adjusted, it's all I want to listen to. Right. I don't want to listen to anything else. I don't even really, I used to have a big love for classical music and it's just not enough anymore. And I you would know. go as far to say there's probably many people sitting in the pews that only listen to church music at church. Right. You know, they don't bring it, bring home. it home. They don't bring it home with them. And the reason why that is, is because they haven't trained themselves to listen to it. And they've been, like, they've been trained. Like, sure, okay, we go to church and... And we listen to church music and we glorify God and that's good. But when we walk out the door, we're not listening to that for fun. Yeah. We want to hear other stuff for fun. Right. Right. And that's because they really have not been trained in that and yeah. they don't have the love for it. The love for it. Yeah. And that love has to come. Like, I mean, well, it well, just. Well, I would tell you, speaking from experience, it comes from bending the will. Yes. Because I had to force myself right. to stop listening to other music. I had to go, no. Well, and you, I will tell you, it started with Lent. Yeah. I said, okay, come Lent, I'm only going to listen to church music. Right. That's how it started. And that's why and that's why Holy Mother Church gives us Lent to form and get rid of bad habits. Right. Because right. one, and then a few lengths of that, mm-hmm. and then I was like, you know, it builds the love for it. It builds the, you know, that this is the most pleasing music to our Lord, 
And I just only want to listen to that, and I only want to fill my home with that. Right, because you weren't raised, like, in your in our house when you were little. Oh, no, we were raised on country music. Well, you were raised on country my music. My dad was always listening to country music and in I the garage. And I was, too. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, uh, oh, oh. Like I wasn't, you weren't I wasn't playing on this the singing page. nuns. No. I wasn't playing the singing nuns. You yeah. know, like I didn't, I didn't find it appealing. Yeah. I mean, I found it great at church. Like it's really great at church. Yeah. It helps you spiritually. It helps you. Right. But so why can't it help you all day long? long? Right. Exactly. Like why can't it help you all day long? Well, you have to train yourself. Mm-hmm. And you're right about the Lent part because mm-hmm. that's the first thing you do. Shut the radio off at Lent. Mm-hmm. You know, you shut these things off at Lent. And then, you know, the more you do it, the mm-hmm. more you train yourself, the more you go back to this. Well, if you're raising young kids, you have to get them from the from get-go. The get-go. Like, and that's, I mean, this is the ideal. This is what the author is telling us. This is the ideal. Start off right. And you won't have to undo it. You won't have to undo all that. Yeah. Because you know? that's how, and it is hard. Like most people will say, I can't, I can't pull myself away from the music. Mm-hmm. The music that I like. Music is very powerful. You know. I know we've said it and I don't, won't go down there again because we've said it many times, but we do have to understand how powerful music is. You know, right. It sings to the soul. It sings Either to sings the soul. a good song or a bad song. <laughs> Bob Sager. Kind of music. Yeah. All right. So, quote, let your maternal duties have the precedence of all others. And as long as you can discharge them yourself, do not share them with another. If you are obliged to call someone to your aid, be cautious in the selection of the servants in whom you must place your confidence. And do not permit them to nurse your children except under your eyes. More than once has the germ of some corporal or mental defect been deposited in the cradle of an infant by a negligent or corrupt servant, and the dangers occur frequently enough to excite all the vigilance of a mother, end quote. Okay, so again so there, ooh, talking careful about, who you leave your children with. And it's talking about bad example too, right? Yeah. And although we don't have servants, I'm assuming we don't have servants. But we do have babysitters. We do have babysitters. We do have um, relatives. Yeah. We do have people that we leave our children with. Um, What I always watch for when I look at a child is I watch for who they're attracted to. Right. So, um, right, who who do they want to saddle themselves up up to? to? Yeah. Do they want to saddle them up to the most riotous relative on the, that you have? Right. That's when you have to say, you know, okay, this is a problem, right? You know, um, you have to pay attention to who they want to be with. Right. Because those things, when they start to grow, are what's going to come back to bite you. They're the bad example you have to keep them away from. Right. And you have to stir them in a different direction. If you have bad example in your in your family and in your life... Um, if the child is not interested in them, they're not a problem, no. right? Like yeah. one could have said Uncle Jerry was a bad example. Mm-hmm. May he rest in peace. Yeah. But nobody was interested. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like he wasn't, he wasn't somebody like, oh, there's fun Uncle Jerry. Jerry. Let's go like, be with him. the kids all saddle up to him. No, no right. It was they like, did. oh, Uncle Jerry's in the room. Everybody out. <laughs> we <laughs> don't want to be here. <laughs> you know, he wasn't. May he rest in peace. He's, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, he had his good qualities, but you know he was not really a good example. So, so anyway, he wasn't really a concern. The concerns are 
when the children are idolizing Idolizing. people and who exactly they're idolizing. Right. So that's what you got to watch for. Okay, so quote, be particular not to weaken the body of your child by too delicate a treatment, nor to enervate its will by the constant gratification of its caprices. The moral as well as the physical education of man begins from the first day of life, and there is perhaps more truth than is commonly supposed in that remark of a Christian philosopher that man will be all his life what he was on the knee of his mother, end quote. Right, okay, so... um Coddled, spoiled brat, anyone? Yeah. Right? You know, like you have to, um, to me, you have to teach your child. I, I maintain two things. They have to know how to work and they know have to know virtue. Right? And you don't allow your child to do anything that's unvirtuous. Right. Right? So, I mean, we've all seen children have temper tantrums. Yeah. Right? That is an unvirtuous behavior. Right. Right, that has to be stopped. It has to be curtailed. So when you see something that's going against virtue, and this is, again, this is where all this um, twisting with new age teaching is. Like, they teach you that the kids need to do that. You know, nothing's wrong with a spoil. Well, nothing's wrong with a temper tantrum. Right. Well, everything's wrong with a temper tantrum. A, it's not going to get you to heaven. Right. You know, so you have to apply these thoughts to the child when you're raising them. Is this a virtuous behavior? Right, that's what needs to be corrected. Right. You know, the lying, stealing, cheating, kindness, charity. You need to install in them virtuous behavior. They don't get to scream just because they feel like screaming. screaming. They, you know, like they don't, yeah. they, don't, they don't get to be obnoxious. They don't get to do these things. Like you have, to, you have to watch for the virtuous behavior. And if something is unvirtuous, that needs to be corrected. Mm-hmm. And as a mother, it's your job to find out what that is. All children are different, mm-hmm. you know. And what is what is a um, what is a quality for one is not necessarily a quality for an, another. Mm-hmm. What what one person um, does repetitively, what one child does repetitively, another child may not do. Right. So you have to constantly take in each individual child and find out where their vices are and not be blind to it. Like mothers have a tendency to be so blind to their little children. Yes. Like they just think they're just adorable. Mm-hmm. And they are. They are. But they are also can be the opposite. They also <laughs> can be the opposite. And you're forming and correcting. So, and also to I think uh, parents tend to think it's a, a slight on them. Like they're so connected to their child that the child is doing something, say, unvirtuous that that they take it personally like that's a personal slight against them mm-hmm. um it, well it kind of is a personal slight against you if you don't correct it right you have to correct it you have to not take things personally and you can't be blind to it you have to be looking for it you have to be looking for their faults so you can correct them right so okay quote cool. a child must first feel and afterwards understand that his caprices will never be indulged and that he must resign himself to obedience Obedience is the great secret of life. It is the principal duty of man. With this he must commence, and with this he must end. For death is the last and at the same time the greatest act of obedience that God requires of man. He who knows not how to resign himself and to obey knows nothing. It is obedience alone that forms and develops the will and renders easy at the latter period the strong resolutions and painful sacrifices which circumstances so frequently demand from us. 
If a mother bequeathed to her son as the fruit of her solicitude, nothing more than an obedient disposition, she would leave him the most valuable possession of life. End quote. Yeah, I knew there was something about okay. death in yeah. here too. Here it is, right here. So obedience is the principal duty of man. So yeah. I mean, it, this thing is telling us if you teach your child nothing but obedience, that's the most valuable. That's thing. the most valuable thing. But here, this is what struck me: for death is the last and at the same time greatest act of obedience that God requires of man. And I thought, and at first when I read it. Death is an act of obedience. Yeah, and how fitting that for the last three years the world has fought like fought, crazy yes. to stop it. Exactly, right? With That's the exactly the C word, which so, we will not mention. So yeah, exactly. So death is that death death is the an act of obedience. And um how many people want to cheat or death. escape death? death? Yeah, yeah. Right? And we were just talking about that, right? Like, you know, um, our, our good friend Ken McFadden, who just died, peace. may he rest in peace. Um, he actually, I didn't realize this, my bro, I was visiting with my brother over the weekend, and he told me he had kidney failure. Yeah. And they wanted to do um, all sorts of things, like they wanted to put him on kidney dialysis and all this and stuff. And he said no? He said no. He said wow. no. Wow. It is what it is. And look at that. And look at that. He was rewarded yeah. I would say he was rewarded with the last sacraments. Yeah. A deathbed confession, the whole yeah. shebang. Yeah. Like I was shocked when my brother said that. He said no. He said no. He, he wasn't willing. Wow. You That's know. Incredible. And and I thought like how many people like I mean like I said you know like the how many people can't just let go. Yes, they just and, say that. They, or not even how many people just can't let go for other people. Yes. Like when you're somebody's power of eternity. Yes. Or power of eternity. Power of attorney. Did yeah. I say attorney? <laughs> Anyways, you know what I mean. Um, you know what I mean? And, and they just can't, like, they, they they try everything. No, push everything, at, throw everything at him, you know, save him, you know, whatever. Uh-huh. Right. No, I know. And, and and we do this all the time. Like, I mean, I have never been a fan of, uh, of the cancer societies. Mm-hmm. I've always, and I said, years ago, that I said, I always said, well, I hoped I had cancer. And they, yeah, they, I remember you saying that when we were kids that you wanted to die of cancer. I know, and I've said this before, and I said, well, I want I want to know so I can get in some more praying Dang, and sacrificing. Yeah. And, you know, and I've said it aloud to people, and people just think I'm crazy. It's like, oh, like, I remember going to work, I said, well, there's nothing wrong with cancer. And they're like, what? <laughs> I said, well, God's giving you a warning. Well, you you got to die. die. Wouldn't you like a little advance warning to get yourself spiritually ready? And you know, and if well, you're... and not only that, like I mean, I'm not, we shouldn't joke about cancer because people that have cancer are in a lot of pain, and they do do a lot of suffering. They do. It is a lot of suffering to suffer through cancer. Your body is basically killing itself. Right. You know, so there's a lot of pain and stuff tied to that. So you know, if you could spend your last days suffering. Yeah. Doing that extra suffering. And again, again, this is stuff you're putting in a suitcase. Right. Remember that suitcase? You need to fill it with something. Yeah. Right? So why not you take these opportunities? Why why do you wanna why do you want to you know, fight death kicking and mm-hmm. screaming? And I mean we could we have I I mean, I we don't presume to know, but we do have our little own, I would say, modern day example in that little boy, Malachi. Oh, yeah. 
may he rest in peace. Right, yeah. Um, that the, Someone made a video about him. I don't know who did it. But anyways, and even the bishop, when he visited us last time, he gave a sermon. He, he mentioned him in the sermon. Um, but, you know, he suffered through all of that pain very joyfully. Mm-hmm. Very joyfully, you know. So we can take examples from even people around us. Right. And I do know a family, too, that uh, lost a daughter at 13. Yeah. And she was she had a sickness. I don't know what it was, but she she just suffered very silently and she yeah. said she offered it all up. Yeah, wow. You know, um this I was talking to the dad. You know, this is years and years ago. But um, you know, these these so there you have it. Death is your last act of obedience. obedience. Why do you want to go kicking and screaming? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, like I mean, I mean, at my age, what I have learned because I'm just over 60 is I don't even know where 60 years went like I just don't know yeah like it seems like yesterday yeah everything seems like I've been here 60 I'm 60 already how did that happen you know like and it just seems so it seems so I don't know I uneventful I don't even know what the word (laughs) I don't even know what to describe it like you know okay well what in 20 years I'm going to be dead maybe Mm -hmm. five years maybe two years maybe next year maybe next week I don't know (laughs) and 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 when I think about um the blessed virgin like when when Jesus died she had to stay here for 15 years after yeah after he died yeah right and, and then I, I think about that because, like, you know, some people that I love have died. And, and every day as I turn 61, I get to the point where I actually know more dead people than I know alive. Yeah. Right? So I think to myself, well, when I die, I'm going to go where most people I know already are. Hopefully. 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 <laughs> hopefully hopefully they're there. Hopefully that all works Except out well for all of us. us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? So the thing here is, is that this life is so... You know, like what? So I, I have to wait five years, 10 years, 20 years, yeah. two years to see you again or, you yeah. know, till we meet again. There's yeah. a lot of really sad songs about that. Yeah. You take the high road and I take the low road. Mm-hmm. That's about death. Yeah. Smile the while till we meet again. That's about death. You know, yeah. like, and, um, and anyway, so, so we want death to be our... Our last, uh, our last act of obedience. Right. We don't want to well, be so this, strung out this on is, it. This is why we pray for a good, happy, and holy death. We don't pray for us. We pray for a happy death. Right. Because we want to be happy when we die. Because God willing, hopefully we are going to be with him. Right. I you just, know? I just want to clarify one thing for um, all the moms out there. Um, that doesn't mean you wish this upon your children, right? right? Like it, like you, you have to do everything in your power. Like it, you know how I said I had a heel spur and I ignored it. Yeah, yeah. You don't go. Oh, you your kid has a tumor. With, oh, you ignore it. No, you don't do that with your children. children yeah, this okay? only applies to yourself. What you do to yourself is one I'm thing. Doing... What you do with children, you have yeah, a responsibility, responsibility. Yeah. to make sure their health is looked after. after. Yes. Right, so you can just say, "Oh well, offered up, offered up." You know, you have to. You have. There's one rule for you, and then there's That's another the rule for those under your charge and who you have yeah. to look after. They must be looked after. Right. 
All right, well, we're over the hour, so I guess we'll leave it there. What, over the hour? Yeah, we're over the hour. Good thing we started the book early, but we did a lot of talking in between. But that's the way she goes. yeah. Okay, so we'll leave it there, and uh, we'll be back, uh, God willing, next week. And mm-hmm. um, Unless uh, my last act of obedience happens Mom, between now and next week. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, Moving I, on from that. You never know. <laughs> God willing. God willing. <laughs> now we got to go say the prayer for the death, and I'm going to try to put that in the caption for everybody because I know people have asked for it. It's a quick, short little prayer, and it's very good. So anyway, so we hope that you all have a very blessed week um, as we journey into the second week of Lent. And uh, uh, may God bless you and Our Lady guide you. And as always, St. Teresa, pray for us.